Welcome to Aphesis Church Podcast Channel. If you're in Columbia, South Carolina area, we would love to get to know you better and for you to experience what Aphesis is all about. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at aphesischurch.com. It is our prayer that this message truly speaks to you. God bless. I'm excited for what God's got in store for us. Let's all stand. I want to read 2 Kings chapter 13 and a familiar story. Picking up at verse 14. Now Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness whereof he died. And Joash, the king of Israel, came down unto him and wept over his face and said, O my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. I want to pause really quick before I read the rest of this. Just intercept some things. Elisha, probably, arguably, the the greatest prophet the Bible has ever seen, arguably. I would say John the Baptist is probably... One, one step in front of him. But Elisha, and, and possibly Elijah. Let's, but Elisha, look, at, look what it read there. Elisha was fallen sick of a sickness, wherefore he, he died. Even great men can get sick and die. Uh, we live in a time where we think that sickness is, is a curse. It's not. It's just sometimes it happens to the very best of them. And we've, we've lost a lot of great men to sickness. We're on par with the Word of God. <laughs> All right? Don't get discouraged. All right? Live life. It didn't stop Elisha. Verse 15, Elisha said unto him, Take bow and arrows. And he took unto him bow and arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, Put thine hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it. And Elisha put his hand upon the king's hands. And he said, Open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. And he said, The arrow of the Lord's deliverance. And the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For thou shalt smite the Syrians in Aphek, till thou have consumed them. And he said, Take the arrows. And he took them. And he said unto the king of Israel, Smite on the ground. And he smote thrice and stayed. And the man of God was wroth with him and said, Thou shouldest have smitten five or six times. Then hast thou smitten Syria till thou hast consumed it. Whereas now thou shalt smite Syria but thrice. Today I want to preach on this title, Three Wins and Still a Loser. Three Wins and Still a Loser. I want to ask us to pray, ask God to help us today. If you would, bow your heads with me. God, thank you for today. Thank you, God, for the power and the presence we felt here and the praise and worship, the wonderful music that has been played, the, the voices that have been lifted, God, the Spirit, Lord, that as it's been wafting in this place, I pray continue, God, to speak into our lives. I pray, wake us, stir us, strengthen us. God, help me, Lord, uh, preacher today. I thank you, God. We give you all praise and all glory. Would you begin to clap 
your hands unto the Lord. Would you thank God just for one more moment? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated. Praise God. 1919, a familiar, probably, story in history that some of you know. I know that if you are a baseball fan, you will know this. I talked with Brother Ben today. I said, I'm going to need your amens today. I'm going to be talking about some baseball. But in 1919, Red Sox owner Harry Frazee sold star player Babe Ruth to the Yankees, which was followed by really years and years and years of time where the Red Sox did not win a World Series. This led to a popular superstition known as the curse of the Bambino, which one of those most well-known aspects of the rivalry between the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees. This volatile meetup would happen multiple times in a baseball season, and Every time they would lead up to this game, there was a lot of hate being thrown around. There was a lot of anger. Each team on each side both wore their gear, and, and both of them, of course, kind of felt like they were going into a battle every single meetup. But for the Yankees, they always had a one-up on the Sox. They always seemed to just get ahead. A lot of the times, it's just because the Red Sox would literally just drop the ball. They, they'd literally let play go right through their legs. And they would allow things to just somehow bypass them. Victories would, would just, just kind of go right next to them, never really capturing the ALC championship or the pennant, any of those things. Any, not really having the taste of the World Series champagne as they, as they would, of course, divvy out on those games but they were constantly second best to the Yankees. Now, I have my opinions and I have my own theories. I think any team could be fantastic if you pay for it. If you buy judges, if you buy the best of the best, I'm sure you can become the best of the best. But 2004 was a great year. 2004 would change things up. Yankees excited to do what they always do, and that's beat up on the Red Sox. And they find themselves now both in, in this place where the winner moves on and the loser goes home. And here they are in the postseason in the race for a championship. They come to game one, October 1st. What a game that was. It was a very close game in many ways. The, the ending would be that the Yankees would beat the Red Sox 10-7. to not, not a runaway victory, but a strong victory. One that, that put breath inside the Yankees' lungs and said, all right, we got the first win. All right, I feel really, really good about that. All right, we won and we're, we're feeling good with our first foot forward. I mean, especially that first game when Boston Red Sox used their best pitcher, Kurt Schilling. 
They were able to beat Kurt Schilling and the rest of the Sox in that first game. That second game would come the day after uh, the 12th, and there they are again battling it out. And there they, they're, they're, they're battling this battle in Boston. So it's volatile there for the Yankees to walk into that, that enormous stadium, Fenway, and to look upon the green monster and know that they got to not only beat the Sox, but they have to beat the monster. They, of course, do what the Yankees do, come in the clutch, play like no other, and they beat the Boston Red Sox yet again, the final being 3-1. to one. What's interesting is Pedro Martinez pitched that game. That was He's on the Sox, and he is a killer. He is somebody that takes no mercy, and still they were able to beat Pedro. Now the Yankees are up two to nothing and they're feeling really good because we're going back home. We're going to New York City. We are going to play in our arena and the Yankees go right back home and they do exactly what they want to do and they win big. They win big on October 16th, 19 to 8 runs, destroying the Red Sox. Now... History will repeat itself yet again. Those Yankees are excited. Newspapers are writing this. Dead Sox. There's no way that they can come back. There's no way ever. There was never in history, all baseball history, that a team down three to nil came back and ever did anything. Just one more win and we move on and we keep doing what we do is add trophies to our cabinet. We just keep doing those things. That curse of the Bambino keeps on thriving and living. Game three was a tough, tough game for the Red Sox because they realized in that moment, if we don't get some kind of footing, something turn around, I don't know what could happen because we're playing game four in New York. We're, we're playing in, on their turf. There's no way we're going to win this process. There's no way. Everybody in Boston began to hang up their gear. Everybody, everybody in that New England area began to see the the glare and the writing on the wall that better luck next year. Game four comes about. Somehow those socks put some things together and they were able, they were just able to squeak by and beat the Yankees six to four. Okay, the Yankees said, all right, let's brush that off. We're still good. We are going to win again. We're going to, all we need is one single win. They need to keep on winning in order to stay alive. They need four wins. We just need one more win. October 18th comes about. What a game, back and forth. I mean, the, the de defense was at an all-time high, and barely squeaking by was the Red Sox, and they end up beating the Yankees 5-4. to four. Now, the Sox have a decision to make. Do we rest our star pitcher for the very last, or do we even know is there going to be a very last? Is tomorrow our last day? And they decide to throw and, and serve up Kurt Schilling. Kurt Schilling, of course, wounded in his ankle, blood dripping. Every video camera is watching, everybody seeing him grimace with every throw. He was able to, to defeat the Yankees that game six, October 19th. Four to two, and there they are 
tied up. And there you see a picture right there. Jeter, frustrated, confused. <laughs> what just happened? Those Red Sox go back to Boston. Yankees have to fight for the life in Boston. The worst place it could ever be. And that very last game, that game seven, we find that Boston destroys the curse. Boston beats things, continues to thrive, and doesn't just beat the Yankees by a little, but beats them 10 to 3. Can you imagine for a moment, could you imagine a Yankee, how he felt after game three? We got this. It's over. We've had three great strong wins. We have, we've had multiple times where there's, it's never happened. History is on our side. Those socks, they crumble every single time. Just watch and see. It ain't going to happen. It's never going to happen. We have three wins. But history will tell us today that they had three wins, but they're still a loser. I go back to my opening text where I read in 2 Kings 13 and I tell the story of Elisha is at the end of his life. Sickness has gripped him. Sickness has come into his body and it's time because his appointed time has come. Every man has been given an appointed time. And here his appointment is up. But Joash the king comes up to him and he is weeping over him in sorrow. And he's weeping over him in sadness. And he does not want him to die. He, he cries out, oh, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. He, he recognizes the spiritual authority that is about to leave their, their camp. He understands that kingdom is about to be without the prophet and he understands that please don't leave us please stay oh my father my father and of course Elijah with his last bit of breath he gives him some instructions and I'm going to ask if uh, brother Ryan you're going to be Joash today and I'm I'm going to try to be Elisha a little bit he tells <clears throat> tells Joash to take up the bow and arrow okay don't shoot nobody you stand up, continue to stand up. <laughs> he tells him, I, I, obviously we know we're in a battle with Syria. And he instructs him to look out of the window. He says, come over here and come to this area. And he says, I want you to, we'll just, I'll hold these arrows for a second. But he says, I, I want you to put your hand on your bow. And, and I, I love what's interesting is that he instructs him to take just one arrow. Knock one arrow. I'm sure Joe Ash, this is common in the sense of they all had bow and arrows. They understood the process. Many of them hunted. They understood how to, how to shoot all those things but this story is very interesting because the man of God really wants to be hands on in the process he, he tells him uh, grab the bow and arrow and he grabs him and, and he says alright I want you to he, the Bible says that Elisha puts his hand on his hand and helps him to pull back that arrow and the Bible says that he instructs him, now shoot towards... Now don't shoot through that window. Gotcha. 
<laughs> shoot out of the eastward wind towards Syria. And he shoots that one arrow out. That arrow, boo, gone outside of that window. Then he tells him, <laughs> he tells him, I want you to take the rest of these arrows. Now I want you to take the arrow in your hand and I want you to smite the ground. Now the Bible says he doesn't instruct him how many times to smite the ground. He doesn't, he doesn't go into detail. He doesn't give him a number. He doesn't give him a suggestion. He just literally just says smite the ground. And Joash gets down on the ground and he takes, go ahead, Joash gets down on the ground. I'm narrating this, gotta help me. And he begins to just smite the ground with those arrows three times. And he looks up and he most likely looks up at Elisha and he says, is that good? And Elisha gets angry. I can see Elisha in his feeble state coughing. <clears throat> probably, probably picked Joseph up by the, the necktie and took his arrows from him and probably took the bow and arrow out of his hands and explained to him, you, you should have hit the ground more. You should have smote the ground five or six times. And now Syria, you're only going to have three wins against Syria. Only, you're only going to go into battle with them three separate times. And you're going to have this, this, this feeling that you've got them beat. You're going to have this aura on them that we've beat them three times. How can they, how can they come back? But I'm telling you this, that you're still a loser. You're still going to be defeated. You're still going to lose because, man, I would have, I would have wished that you smote the ground until you were tired. Come on. Let me be seated. Come on. I want to break down that story even more. When... Elisha takes Joash in his hands and he puts his hands on the bow and he stretches them back. And let me tell you what, there's, 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 there's something in that process that Elisha was doing for Joash when he grabbed his hands and put his hands and he pulled back and he taught him how to draw. And I, I want to speak to us for a second. First and foremost, we have to pick up the bow and arrow. We have to get to a place where we understand there's a spiritual warfare going on. That there is a real fight for my life, your wife's life, your children's life. Just pretending that you're not in some sort of spiritual battle. Pretending that it's just happening outside these walls and it doesn't happen in here. And it doesn't happen in your life. And you're just going to work and nothing else is changing. It's just the same old, same old. I'm telling you right now, you're at war. You are at the fight of your life. I'm telling you, you don't know what day, you don't know what hour, you don't know if you will cross the street today, you don't know if a brain aneurysm will take you out, you don't know any of those things, but I can tell you this, that there are things in dark places, there are spiritual things and wickedness and forces that want to put seeds of error and wrong and sin in your life and take you, but you can't just sit there idle you can't sit there lifeless you have to take up the bow and you do have to take up some arrows you do have to grab weapons of spiritual warfare 
And I, I want us to understand it's, this church is not meant to just meet on Sunday and Wednesday only and just be a gathering place. No, this is a war room. This is a place where we come together and we say, listen, let's look at our city. Let's map out the places. Let's pray for this, this area. Let's pray for Forest Acres. Let's, let's pray for Lexington. Let's, let's pray for Sand Hills. Let's, let's pray for Elgin, Camden. Let's, let's pray for these areas this church is not just a place for coffee and donuts it's not just for the good music and those things it's it's for fighting it's for coming here and getting equipped with the weapons of warfare I know they're not carnal I know they're not what you seem but they're mighty they're strong they pull down things they destroy things and there, the man of God takes Joash and he puts the weapon, tells him, take up the bow and arrow. Take up some authority in your life. Take up the fight, would you? Please take up the fight. He takes the bow and arrow. And he, then the, the, the man of God puts his hand on both his hands and he teaches him how to draw. Let me tell you what, that's where power rests. Power's found in the draw. Power's stored up right here. Not here. When you, you could pick this up. It won't shoot nor kill nobody. But the moment, the moment you put draw in it, the moment you put power into it, the moment it's it's flexed, the moment it is at its at its furthest place, then it's full of power. But the only way that happened is if spiritual godly authority helps you lead you to that place. I'm going to say this. I'm not trying to sign up to be your pastor. Just hear me this. You need a pastor. You need spiritual godly authority to be on your hands when you're fighting a fight. I need the hands of Elisha holding my bow and strengthening my pull. I need understanding when it comes to how far to pull, what the draw feels like, what it... Uh, I'm telling you, it's biblical. The, get yourself connected to the man of God. Amen. Get yourself connected. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to preach this without being embarrassed by saying, hey, come see me. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say you need to humble yourself. You don't all have the answers. You don't, you can't. This, the Bible is very specific that God has put a shepherd in our life. He leads us. He, he gives us understanding. That's the position of of a shepherd. That's the authority. Everyone, I want you to think about it this way. When, when Paul writes to Timothy, it's like he's, he's got his hands on Timothy and the bow, and he's pulling back. Look at that second Timothy. He put that scripture up there, Brother Stephen. He's putting that, that bow right there. I charge thee. You can just see the spiritual authority of Paul on the hands of Timothy. I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. He tells them to preach the word be instant in season and out of season reprove rebuke exhort with all long suffering and doctrine that's exactly what Paul was doing with Timothy in this letter his hands was on his hands pulling him back yeah. showing him how to draw yes. 
Paul would write again to, yeah. to, to Titus and tell him like, oh, Titus, I, I want you to understand there's some things I need you to put in order. Please look at that, that text, that next verse, if you could put it up there. Titus is, is someone who has to put the church in order. To Titus, mine own son, after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. He tells him here the very next verse. He says, set in order the things that are wanting. He, you can see Paul putting his spiritual hands on top of Titus's hands, teaching him how to draw, teaching how to set things in order. You need to understand some things. There's some things in Scripture that we're always looking for, a black and white, but sometimes if you just ask the man of God how to live life, how to set things in order, it, it, there's just some things that is good to him and the Holy Ghost. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, church. You have to submit yourself to authority. I, 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 hate, I hate being the one that has to say that. I really do. I sound like I'm being my own cheerleader a little bit. Come on now. You don't have to be me. You could be somewhere, somewhere else, but find yourself a man of God that you allow to put his hands on your life. Paul writes to Philemon about a servant that did him wrong. Onesimus is his name. And if you put that text, you can just see Paul putting his hands on Philemon. He says, I beseech thee from my son, Onesimus, who I have begotten in my bonds. He goes on to express that in times past he was unprofitable, but now, but now he's profitable to thee and to me. He wants him to know that he, I love this kid. I, I want you to accept him again. I have said again, I've, I've, he's on his way. Thou therefore receive him that is mine own bowels. Receive him like my own self. He puts his hands on Philemon and teaches him how to draw when it comes to forgiveness. Oh, you've got to forgive. This, that's, there's power in forgiveness. There's power in second chances. There's power in letting go of bitterness. There's power in, 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 in just, just looking the other way when it comes to failure. Yes. Come on. <sighs> 3 John 1 and 11. This is John. John puts his hands on the hands of Gaius. We talked about this recently. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doth good is of God, but he that doth evil hath not seen God. You see, you see this pastoral authority. You see the prophetic authority. Elisha on the hands of Joash. You see it in the New Testament. The hands of spiritual authority, teaching where the power is to the one pulling the bow. I, I want you to understand. I, I was thinking about this. My, my first pastor, my, my first bishop, he is not well. He is in his 90s and he is very sick. He has, he has um, been in the hospital multiple times this week. I'm, I'm expecting to hear word of his passing any, any moment now. And I, I think I feel, I feel his hands on my life. I feel his hands pull, teaching me where the power is. What an example. What a powerful example. He's shown me that guy, that guy, seriously, there's no one stronger than that guy. He literally worked for Goodyear for 
30 plus years and pastored a church of a strong 400 people. And I scratch my head and I say to myself, when I was pastoring this church at 50 people and working full time, I was worn out by you all. <laughs> and I got to a point <laughs> where I said, my God, I told my wife, I said, babe, I cannot juggle both anymore. I can't, I can't continue to juggle the secular work and, and, and the work of the church. I, I've got to let one thing go. And I chose to hold on to you. <laughs> Don't make me regret it. <laughs> but I look at my bishop. And I see his hands. I mean, my whole life, my whole ministerial life, I've been a bivocational minister. I've always worked. It's not because it's not because I didn't have opportunities to be a full-time minister. I did. I had multiple opportunities. But the thing that stopped me was my bishop. The example of my bishop. I remember thinking, he can do it. Teach me. Teach me. But there was also a time where he walked away from the secular. And he put all his energy. And the church began to just go through great growth. And there I pull as well. I see power in that. And there I see his life today. And I think, and I'm waiting for that call. And I probably feel like Joe Ash in the moment. Oh, Father, my Father. Oh, don't die on me. I'm telling you, there's power. There's spiritual power and strength if you allow the man of God to give you some instruction when it comes where to find the draw, where to find power, how to, how to pull yourself. I know the Bible says, work out your own salvation, all right? We, we love to say that when we're against the man of God. We love, to, we love to say that when we go against the grain of the word of God. We love to bring that, I'm working my own salvation. No, no, you're not getting it. Fear and trembling is a part of that. Fear and reverence. That reverence for spiritual authority. I need it on my life. My God, man of God, hold my hands. Man of God, show me where the draw is. Show me where the power is. Then he says... Now that I've given you the understanding of where the power is, I want you to go to the window eastward and I want you to shoot that arrow. Release. I want you to release the arrow out that window. You can see as he's there by that window and he sets up at the window and he sets up towards his enemy and he shoots it right out of the window. I want us to understand this, what the Bible says. If you could put that, that text up there, Second Kings. Uh, let, me, let me just go to that verse. I'm sorry, I apologize. Second Kings, um, verse 17. It literally says this. The arrow of the Lord's deliverance. Wow. Not, and if you read it, it says, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. Yeah. It was not just he was shooting deliverance from Syria he was literally shooting the arrow of the Lord's deliverance from everything and I want you to get where he shot that from where he shot the arrow from he wasn't outside the confines of the kingdom he was inside the kingdom 
He shot the arrow of the Lord's deliverance from within inside the confines of the Lord's kingdom. Meaning this, if you need deliverance, you fight it in here. If you truly need to get get a, a victory in your life, let me tell you what, you fight from within the kingdom of the Lord. You fight from the confines of his tower. You fight from within this place. You stay in the church and this is where you shoot from. This is the place where you get your elevation and you shoot out upon your enemy. You don't go out there and fight them on their turf. You don't fight evil with evil. You don't you don't win people with a beer in your hand. You you don't do that. You you fight. You do, I'm telling you right now, if you're going through a problem, pick up the bow, pick up the arrow, allow authority to come on your hands and shoot from within the kingdom of God. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Don't, don't go out these doors and think that you can fight your own fight. Don't think that I can break away from the assembly and I'm going to be all right. right. Oh, no, no, no. That's the biggest lie in 2020 is that we're, we can, you can do church on your own. Right. Yeah. There you go. Right. That ain't, that wasn't, that's not even scriptural. That's, that's, a trick. that's a trick of the enemy. Come on out. Come on out of those gates. Come on out. Step outside of, the, of your protection. Step outside of, of the help. Step a, come on out of those. Come outside of the window. But no, stay inside. Fight for deliverance in here. Fight in this place. Fight in this space. And lastly man of God tells him to take up all those arrows I want you to smite the ground he says I want you to smite the ground and I want us to understand this right now smiting is not a gentle man he just, the Holy Ghost just jumped out of him it's not just gentle no, it's violent. That word smite actually also means kill. Kill the arrows. And, and Joash, I don't understand except for this, that Joash was just appeasing the prophet, just appeasing the man of God. Just like sometimes some of y'all just appease me by coming here and there. Some of y'all just appease me by being faithful every once in a blue moon came to church today. I, I made one midweek this week. Oh, Joe, it's just, is that good? Is that what you want? Is that what you want, man of God? Just one, two, three. Man, the spirit in Elisha, he was so angered, so wroth. Man, talk about going out the wrong way. Anger, angry at, 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 at Joash. I wish you would have. I wish you would have hit as, as many times as possible. Five or six. Because now, yeah, you may have three wins, but you're still a loser. That's right. Yeah, you, you may have had three victories in this altar, but you stop fighting. You've stopped coming up. You stop. You're still a loser. 
I, I need us to hear us, church. When, the, when, when God tells us to smite, when he tells us to, to hit the ground, it's, it's, it's as hard as I can. It's, I, I've, I've got to. I've, I, I can't stop. I, I've got to fight on the ground. I, I've got to fight on my knees. I, I got to keep going. I, I don't want my family to die. I, don't, I know things are breaking. I know things are falling apart. I'm, I may be ca causing a, a ruckus in my family. I don't care. I, I want to I beat this addiction. I want to beat this sin. I want to beat this problem. I want to beat my fears. I want to beat my anxiety. I want to beat everything. I, I hate these arrows. I hate it all. I hate it. I kill it all. That's what we got to get to today. We have to get to a place where we literally smite those things over and over. You are in a seven game series. You haven't won the ship yet. You haven't won the trophy yet. Keep on fighting. Keep on praying. Keep on seeking God. Keep on getting up every Sunday faithfully. Keep on making Wednesdays a priority. Keep on coming to first Wednesday and praying to God. Keep on being faithful in your reading of scripture. Keep on, keep on, keep on. You have to keep on fighting. You have to keep on smiting. You can't stop because you cannot get to a place where you're comfortable and you thought you're your, your bare minimum was enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. Three wins is not enough. I've got to defeat it all. The arrow of deliverance is fought within this place. Quit lying to yourself and saying just missing one service is okay. Quit lying to yourself and saying, I'm going to be all right on the outskirts. No, 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 you're not. Stay in the confines of the kingdom of God. Allow spiritual authority to rest upon your life. And don't stop praying. Pray continually. Seek God always. Seek him in the morning. Seek him in the noonday. Seek him at night. I'm telling you right now, there's coming a time where the sun is going to set. No man can work. No man can do anything. It's going to come time where the, where the fruit is going to stop bearing, where it's going to fall from its limbs. I'm telling you right now, we're approaching, but we need a church to be vigilant and on fire and in the fight and allow spiritual authority to rest on their life and bow up and explain to us where power resides, where strength is, and give us a, give us a vision of our victory and give us a desire to keep on fighting. Amen. Philip, Philip in Acts chapter 2, I'm sorry, Acts 8, I apologize. Acts 8 goes to Samaria. Look at that, let's read it. And Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. Yes! I love these next verses. Everyone gave heed to them, right? Hearing and seeing the miracles which he did, all these things, the supernatural, unclean spirits came out, crying with a loud voice. Those who were possessed were, were healed, and those with palsies, and those that were lame, all that were healed, and there was just so just great joy in that city. And I, I we can see Philip saying, win, win, win. But no, the Bible says later on in that chapter. He said, everyone that, that heard was baptized. Wow, what a win. 
But look at the next uh, 14, I believe it is. We see that there's one word I want you to key on. When the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard, they heard. What did they hear about? Who told them? Philip. I haven't won yet. I I haven't got the victory yet. I know I've had three wins, but I haven't won the victory yet. I need backup. I need help. I'm telling you, church, just because you've repented, all right, you've been baptized, and you've come here faithfully doesn't mean you've won yet. It does, you might have three wins under your belt, but don't walk out of here still a loser. Don't walk out of this place still, still defeated. Let's all stand. I tell you, I want to be, uh, I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I, and I, and I, I'm, I'm probably wrong for myself for developing culture this way. I grew up in an era when my pastor said jump, I, I said how high. And I, I used to sit on the, on the, well, I used to sit three rows up. Three, two, one. The reason I didn't sit any further back, and we had probably 40 rows, is because my parents sat on the third row. Rule was, you can't sit anywhere without us until you got the Holy Ghost. Got the Holy Ghost? I thought, sky's the limit. You can't sit anywhere but the rows in front of us. And I said, okay. So I still got as far as I possibly could where my parents couldn't see me being mischievous. But my dad had that eye. I have true story. I actually have in one of my Bibles at home, my kid's Bible that I had growing up, I have this little piece of paper that says, if you like sitting where you're at, you better keep your eyes to the front. That was a note passed from row to row to row to row all the, all the, all the way to me. And I, I remember one time, too, I was up loud and causing, I guess, stir and with my friends. And my dad, right in the middle of service, walked up, pointed at me. And said, you want to talk about embarrassment? Got up, sat by my dad, wanted to live under a rock for the rest of my life. Those were the things that I, I grew up doing, but... I grew up under an umbrella of reverence. You don't don't disrespect the house of God. You don't respect the man of God. And I grew up now, it grew into me, and I remember sitting as I grew up in the front row of the altar, or I said of the the pew, I, I remember just always keeping my eye on my pastor. And I'd watch every emotion he would have. I'd watch every single thing. I would listen to every every word that came out of his mouth. Because I trusted his authority that he had over me. I felt his hands on my hands. I saw him teaching me how to draw back with power. I, I felt it. I seen it. And I took it in. And I... I, I I know we're not living always in that day anymore, and I, I fear for that. 
And I, I encourage you parents, revive that again in your children. Stir up in your life and your children. It, you've got to reverence the man of God. You've got to, you've got to, you got to, when he's preaching the word of God, he's preaching the word of God. When he's delivering the word of God, it is this, it is, it is the word of God. And remember, many times hearing that word coming out of the man of authority. I remember it piercing my heart correcting me and strengthening me and helping me. And, and I say this to this day because I have people in my church that always want to ask me questions about, about this or that. And I feel at times that I, I am struggling just to bargain with you. And just, I, can you just give me the benefit of a doubt? I know that there are, I know, don't get me wrong, I speak to your hurt. I know that there have been ministers in many of your lives that have misused you and misused their authority. I am going to do my absolute very best never to do that to you. But I, I plead with you, allow me to show you where to draw. Allow me, if you would, please, allow me to show you where God is in Scripture and what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to live and how we're supposed to draw and where power abides. I promise you, I I will release my hands on your hands. You will fire. You will shoot. You will work for your deliverance. But it's got to be in here. Because the worst thing that could ever be said about us is probably the same thing that was said about the 2004 Yankees. They were almost champions. Almost. I don't want it ever to be said. Oh, almost. Almost. I don't want to lean on just three wins. Man, I hope you hear me today. God, I help, I pray you hear me today, church. I want to ask if you would, if you would bow your head, if you would close your eyes. Hallelujah. My God, I pray right now in this church, give us an understanding right now that we fight our battles on our knees, that we smite the ground on our knees, that we seek you out, God, on our knees, that our deliverance is just, is just steps away on our knees at this altar. God, I pray, I pray that you put it in our, in our hearts right now, every heart, every ear in this place. Lord, if you would give us the victory, if you would give us the desire and the hope to keep on winning. Oh, not take false victories, not take false hopes, but real victory until all my weapons are broke, God, on this altar. God, I pray right now, draw us, draw us to a place on our knees, draw us to a place where we get violent with our problems. Lord, help us defeat our addictions, help us defeat our, our bitterness, help us defeat 
feet our fears. God, I pray let trust come into this place. Let a renewed trust come into hearts and minds, I pray. Help us, O oh Lord, see your authority. Let it rest on our hands. Let your strength, O oh God, speak into our hearts, O oh God. Let us cleave, O oh God, to, the, to your authority. Help us, Lord, in this place. Church, these altars are wide open. Oh, would you, if you're dealing with a problem today, come on, don't take the past past wins as, as complete victory. Come on, just because you may have won last Sunday, come on, you're here today. You gotta keep on swinging. You gotta keep on fighting. Hallelujah. Come up to this place. Fight for deliverance. Hallelujah. God is on your side. If you were encouraged by this message and you would like to connect with Ephesus Church or you would like to get in contact with the leadership of this church, please visit EphesusChurch.com. Thank you for being a part 